normally don't have any allergies, but I've got them today. So if my voice sounds a little raspy, it's because it's a little raspy. I know sometimes I wish mine was very deep, like a, a smoker's voice. Lounge jazz singer. Lounge jazz singer. Welcome to the latest episode of the Good and Grounded podcast, a podcast that we launched with the goal of helping our Colorado neighbors get grounded in one key and timely issue facing our community, and then hopefully leave you listeners with one or two good things that we all can do to help support the greater good during these extremely challenging times. I'm Jim Licko, co-founder and managing partner of the Denver-based digital marketing agency, Center Table. And I'm Laura Love, founder of Ground Floor Media and co-founder with Jim of Center Table. In our first few episodes, we explored uh, a number of issues ranging from child welfare and the impact this pandemic has had on abuse and neglect. We also talked about rising demand on food banks, how the Colorado restaurant scene has been facing adversity in these times. In this episode, Laura took some time to introduce us to the man behind Colorado's PPE efforts. So our next guest spent six years in the Navy, served as an assistant attorney general, took both a strategic and an ownership role in Quiznos, and then played a similar role with Smashburger. This same guest went from growing and selling toasted sandwiches and better burger chains to becoming chief of staff to Governor John Hickenlooper in 2017 until his term ended. And his non-traditional career path didn't stop there. He went on to serve as the COO for the governor's 2020 presidential campaign and the chairman of the Hickenlooper 2020 Senate campaign. And in the midst of it all, our guest and his twin daughters also ran their family foundation. Yep, his background has as many twists and turns as the way he has spent the last six months. Welcome, Pat Myers. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. So in March 2020, from what I understand, you were asked to play a pretty major role with the state of Colorado. Well, I got a call from Lisa Kaufman, who is um, Governor Polis's chief of staff, and we knew each other because obviously I had helped her transition into that role. And it was it was a little bit of a longer call, but in essence, she asked me if I had any time. Uh, and I sort of said, well, I don't know, what do you have in mind? And she said, oh, nothing very hard. I'm just wondering if you'll come in and be our constrained supply czar. And I said, I didn't know what that meant. Uh, but as it turned out, what it meant was uh, to come in and be part of what was called the IRT to put together a team and process for purchasing PPE and uh, other medical supplies for the state of Colorado. So talk to me about the IRT. How quickly, you know, how quickly did they stand this up when COVID hit? Very quickly. So it was a fairly large team that the governor stood up late February, early March, I believe. And it, it, it got stood up when it became apparent uh, that COVID, how serious COVID was going to be. So part of the team was involved in testing. Part of the team was involved in what they called the new normal, which was laying out plans for reopening. Um, and my part of the team uh, was in charge of going out and procuring PPE. From what I've read, our, our state wasn't necessarily in the business of buying ventilators or PPE equipment. It was pretty novel for us at the time. So you're exactly right. Um, in normal times, the end users, mostly the healthcare system, would have access to their own supply chains. And so they would buy their own PPE, ventilators, medical supplies, etc. As would any other end user, 
such as a nursing home or first responders, etc. And the state really only bought PPE for state-specific purposes. So, for example, the Department of Health Human Services buys PPE for ongoing agency work. But those were very, very small numbers compared to what we ended up buying. And when it became clear that COVID was going to be a significant problem, and there was a um, concern that, that the state was both going to run out of hospital beds, ventilators, and PPE, the normal end users, the normal healthcare providers, put in massive orders. 3M told me that, that the healthcare systems put in orders that were equal to 10 years worth of use based on historical use in one month. And so even though the manufacturers could start to gear up, there was no way they could meet that demand. It just wasn't physically possible. And so <clears throat> what happened was the healthcare providers were a priority. They weren't getting what they had ordered, but they were getting most of what was available. Everybody else was not getting anything. And so the, 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 the supply line that normally functioned very well just froze. So it sounds like you spent your days and nights sifting through, I guess, leads on masks, gowns, gloves, hospital supplies. Describe a day or a night in this case, because it was a global supply chain, I imagine. So the best way to describe it is pre-COVID, you had mainline manufacturers that produced safe, certified PPE, masks, gowns, gloves, uh, and face shields, and et cetera. When the supply line choked, there were a couple of things that happened. The mainline distributors said, we can't supply anybody but healthcare. So you can put in an order, but we're not going to, we're not going to supply you anything. So both in China and in the US, there were a whole number of of either factories or distributors that had really never been in the PPE business that suddenly were in the PPE business. So in March, uh, I would say, well, first of all, when I came in, I, it quickly became apparent to me that I needed to stand up a team because what we were doing was not just buying in a normal market. We were buying in a very abnormal market with no experience really in, in, in buying PPE even in a normal market, much less in the, in the weird market that came up. And so what I needed was a team that could vet suppliers, that could vet product, then have a testing program for that product, and then have a way of, of working with the state logistics people to distribute it. So for the first couple weeks, three weeks in March, it was gathering that team, which ultimately ended up being eight people plus myself. And it sounds like from all accounts and purposes that the, the governor did a really good job and your team did a good job of, unlike some other states, and said, we're not paying first, right? We're not going to pay before we see what we're getting. Can you tell me a little bit about situations like that that you faced? We, we faced two things. One, because the market was so upside down and there were a lot of new distributors and factories in, the price, uh, the price of everything had gone up and, and we could not get product at normal pricing. So a mask that might have cost 80 cents pre-COVID uh, was, if you could get it, was three or four dollars a mask. And that was just 
pretty much across the board. So in that respect, all of the states were in the same boat. We, we had to go into the market and we would try to cut the best deal that we could, but we recognized that we were, we were paying more than pre-COVID prices. But the second thing was, I would say the market was divided between three different groups of suppliers. One was old line suppliers who were not, they were the ones who could not supply to us right now. The second were people that got in the business and they were getting in the business to make money, but they weren't getting in the business to defraud anybody. And they were trying to do the best they could to get good product at the best price that was available. And then I, I would say the third group were people who would say they had access to product who didn't, who had no idea how China functioned and were just trying to get as much money as they possibly could get. And so our job was to avoid that third group. And that was the group that was by and large demanding money up front. And we just made a decision we weren't gonna pay money up front. And I, you know, I had other, I had counterparts who were in states that candidly were hit harder than Colorado and they were really scrambling, but I had counterparts who said, you'll never be able to buy anything if you're not willing to put money up front. That's just a risk you're gonna have to take. And I decided along with our uh, director of Homeland Security and Emergency Services, Kevin Klein, that we would try going into the market without agreeing to that. Because no matter what, even if it turned out that I was dealing with somebody who I thought was genuine and they turned out to be fraudulent, if I hadn't paid them anything, it was a waste of time and resources, but it wasn't a headline in the Denver Post that the state was out 20 or $30 million or something and got nothing back. So we made that a rule and, uh, and we stuck to it. We never did pay up in front. So working, working with FEMA, what was that relationship like for you? So FEMA, first of all, I don't want to bash FEMA because I've worked with FEMA, you know, career FEMA people over the years on different things. And I've, I found them by and large to really be, uh, they really want to do their job. The biggest issue with FEMA was that they were learning at the same time we were learning. They didn't have much of a stockpile. And so they had gone in and, for example, um, given some instructions to, to manufacturers like 3M saying 90% of your product has to go to healthcare and the other 10% can go to industry. Uh, and then going into China and anything that was being made in China under a 3M license, FEMA, what 3M told me, FEMA took 100% possession of that and then would dole it out to hotspots or however else they, they thought it needed to be doled out. And so it made it very difficult for states, localities, first responders, all of these non-healthcare groups to have access to traditional, safe, relatively inexpensive product, which is why we all ended up in this, this other market. So it's been six months, give or take. And we think about, I guess, numbers today, it says 55,000 cases in Colorado, 7,000 hospitalizations. As we think about kids going back to college, going to school, people returning to work, the flu season ahead of us, are we prepared? I think from the PPE side, I think we're prepared in Colorado at least. We have a good stockpile. 
the, the hospitals, again, are not getting everything they order, but they're getting about 80% of what their historical usage was as of the end of last year, which was pre-COVID. So we would probably be okay, but it's really difficult to get very sanguine about it because all it takes is, you know, you've seen it all around where places like California had, had it under control and all of a sudden didn't have it under control. And if you start seeing massive increases in hospitalizations, then I think we'd be in, in, in trouble. So I think that sort of takes us, we like to, to get really grounded in an issue that our listeners can understand more deeply and then sort of end each episode talking about, you know, what, what are two or three things that people can do good, right, as it relates to this issue. And, and this was an interesting one because it is about PPE, but, but you've been involved in this for at least the last six months. So if you could think about ways people could do good around this issue, do you have any thoughts, pieces of advice? Well, the main one is nothing new. It's something that you've heard and all of us have heard quite a bit, but be responsible, wear a mask, social distance, keep the level of group activity down. Uh, it's, it is, even, and I'm not a scientist, you know, but I get to be on these calls and see what the science is saying. What the science is saying is the difference between, and I don't mean to bash California because I've, I've lived in California a lot. I love California. But the difference between their infection rate being much higher than our infection rate is simply human behavior. It's, it's not that they did something wrong and we did something right. It's that the, the, our human behavior, it's not perfect, but it's been pretty good. And if you wear a mask in a group, I, I think the scientists would tell you that makes a tremendous amount of difference. And it will make, we think, a big difference in the fall where one of the things we were worried about was the combination of COVID and flu. Because if you suddenly had a normal flu season, coupled with anybody who walks into a medical facility and has flu-like symptoms, it used, used to be six months ago that doctors would say, well, I'm not even going to test you for the flu. I just assume you have the flu. Here's what I'm going to tell you to do, and you'll get well. Now, anybody who goes into a medical facility with those symptoms, I think the doctors are going to have to presume it's COVID until it's tested not to be COVID. So we always end each episode talking about one cool thing that we've experienced. And what I didn't share during our interview with Pat was that Pat is actually my neighbor five houses down. And that's how we first met when I moved into the neighborhood about four years ago. And we laugh that this COVID pandemic has actually forced us all out of our homes. And it's the communities that we all wish we lived in from the 1950s. The cool thing is we get to meet each other and spend time together. Nothing like a pandemic to bring a cul-de-sac together, for sure. If you liked what you heard here on Good and Grounded uh, and you want to learn more or hear more episodes, go to goodandgrounded.com. Uh, you can find us on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen. Um, would note, um, we're getting a ton of people that are, that are sharing some stories with us, sharing people that we may want to speak with and shine some light on, on key topics and issues within our Colorado community. We'd encourage you to reach out, drop us a line if you do have someone that, that you'd like uh, us to, to speak with on this podcast. Um, so subscribe, share uh, with your friends, and let's do some good in our Colorado communities. <laughs>